Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about the post-deadline Thunder and where they rank in the standings. And then I'm also going to be breaking down kind of just the basics of the lottery odds. And I'm going to be talking about Tony Bradley and Austin Rivers, our two most recent acquisitions to the team. But just starting it off with where I think the post-deadline Thunder ranks. I mean, we offloaded George Hill, we get back Tony Bradley and Austin Rivers. I think it's pretty obvious that regardless of this deal, you know, that we had, George Hill was not going to be a part of our future. Like, even if we somehow couldn't get a deal for him, which I think from the beginning, we knew we were going to deal him at the deadline, but um, he wouldn't have been able to really play. And it's because Maladon's done so well. Jerome's done so well. Shima Kailuk, he has turned out to look pretty promising. Those are three guys. And SGA, he's likely going to be out for maybe the rest of the year. I think there's five weeks left in the regular season. Whenever you have a plantar fascia injury, plantar fasciitis, that's about, that's better than what you could normally get because that's just inflammation to it. But that's going to get you out at least three weeks minimum. And it's kind of like a case-by-case deal. And when Mark Dagnall kind of wanted to play everything safe, I don't even know if Shea's going to continue to play. Like, I don't know if, if we saw the last game of him this season already. So you have three guards there. And then Austin Rivers, which I'll talk about him later. But if he's going to be with you, yeah, you don't really have space. And then you got to take into account Kenrich Williams is playing at the two position just fine right now. So you kind of do shape out some sort of core and George Hill was just not going to be part of that so I don't think the move for Hill getting Bradley and Rivers really does anything in the win-loss column what you really need to look at is just our roster right now and the injuries as I mentioned Shea he's going to be gone and that means a lot that is our star player he's the reason why we've won a lot of games and because of him out it's going to be a lot more of just letting the rookies show off let the young guns kind of do whatever you know Mark Dagnalt spoke with the media um yesterday and I guess one of the questions I'm not in the media like I don't get the zoom calls I just kind of check out on Twitter see what goes on but from one of the the tweets I guess someone asked about Mike Muscala's current position with the team and it seems like they probably addressed him and you know they wanted to state things like they're still checking out the roster and his spot's probably going to be the same and knowing Presti and everything they probably just gave him a heart to heart like if you want to leave we'll let you out but as of right now he's not gone so I don't think we're going to see him I think it's just going to be young players anyways and that means we could potentially be losing a lot more games like Shea he was a reliable scorer on his bad nights where he couldn't distribute he still got you 20 points and some games even went off for 30 when he wasn't scoring he was distributing the ball and you saw guys dominate like Al Horford from downtown. So he's the main guy you're not going to see. We still don't know what's up with Darius Baisley and his shoulder contusion. But I don't really know how much you want to play into that. Just know that our roster with Shea is pretty depleted. We're not going to be winning as many games. And, you know, for some of you, that's probably a good thing. I think mathematically, you know, getting good lottery odds for where we're currently at is the way to go and I don't ever I don't really like you know proclaim or want teams to lose games but 
I definitely understand the mindset behind trying to lose games right now, and you cannot be, you know, mad at them. You know, the uh, process 76ers did it whenever the lottery odds were way more favorable, and they got Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons out of it. Now, they still had some rotten eggs in Jalil Okafor and Norland's Noel, but I'd say it was kind of a success, so there's definitely a reason to be doing this, and in a typical year, yeah, if you're tanking, you're gonna pretty much be secured of a top five pick, but this is a very different season. We've seen teams be out for weeks, and because of it, teams have just fallen off the map. Houston, we saw them whenever they made the trade for James Harden as still a playoff team. We saw this as, you know, almost a bad thing because it was like, you know, these guys are going to still be in contention, at least for a playoff spot. They have John Wall, they have Victor Oladipo, they have Christian Wood, and they have backups to surround them. And they fell off now. They lost 20 games in a row and they have the third best odds right now and they're completely tanking i mean they gave away victor oladipo for a bag of potato chips getting avery bradley and kelly olenic are they gonna contribute absolutely not that is a tanking team and there's many more teams to go along with this and the trade deadline for us it didn't completely sway us over to the tanking side but there are a lot of teams who you know in the hunt for the number one pick or just the lottery they kind of switched from you know which direction they're going to go because a lot of teams didn't have a direction us included a lot of teams have their mindset and they're just going to go with it until the rest of this season so when we're looking at the teams above us i'm going to go in order from like eight to seven six we're looking at toronto cleveland and washington in the eight through five spots and then the top four the orlando magic the houston rockets the detroit pistons and the minnesota timberwolves eight teams are worse than us right now and we are 19 and 25 and there are three teams that could very well in a couple days be worse than us too there are three teams just 0.5 games behind the chicago bulls the new orleans pelicans and the sacramento kings so there is a real hunt going on to get to the bottom four and have the best odds come lottery day and it's so tight actually that when we're looking at odds Oklahoma City is only what is it yeah they're only four games back of being a bottom four team in the league that's kind of the benchmark for a lot of teams right now and just looking through this there there's going to be some teams it's not just going to be a four team race whoever four teams are tanking you're all going to be in the top four I'm looking at this list right now and I can probably see like five five six teams who are not going to be winning that many games and I would probably consider Oklahoma City in that bunch but there are much more and some of them they're going to be doing a much better job than us if we're just going to be completely honest here now, just rattling it down from the list, the Toronto Raptors, I actually don't really expect them to stay in their current spot. I don't think they're going to slip down and get better draft odds because they didn't move Kyle Lowry. I think that that was a good thing that they didn't because if they did, you have just another team you're going to be fighting for in the final weeks of the season. But they still move Norman Powell, 20-point scorer, they got Rodney Hood and Gary Trent Jr. back. That's not terrible value. I think Gary Trent Jr. is a pretty good sharpshooter, and Rodney Hood, he's just a fill-in bench guy. And then they also were kind of just giving away 
players for second round picks as well. I know that they gave away Terrence Davis, who had a pretty good, I think it was rookie season. Like he came out of Old Miss, didn't get drafted. They pick him up and he looks nice. He hasn't been playing much for them, but they gave him away for a second round pick. So you lose out on some depth right there. And then they also made one more deal. I think it was Matt Thomas they gave away for a second round pick. And honestly, I don't know a ton about Matt Thomas, but I've actually heard that he is a pretty underrated player. So they may have lost out on a two good bench guys alongside Norman Powell. So they got worse, but they still have Siakam. They still have Van Vliet. They still have Lowry. They kind of can just run it back and maybe get a little bit better here. I don't think they're going to slip. If anything, they're going to stay right around this sweet spot of like seeds eight through 10. So I'm not worried about the Toronto Raptors at all. The Cleveland Cavaliers though, that's a team you always got to be afraid of. Andre Drummond's out the door. It didn't matter because they weren't playing him anyways. But when we're looking at them, they kind of just have three great players or good players and then everyone else, a little bit of a drop off. You have your two guards and Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. Then you have Jared Allen. And then you got guys like Isaac Okoro, Larry Nance, who's hurt. But then you also have Kevin Love, who's also hurt. So they're a little bit injury plagued, but I'd still say with Sexton, Garland, and Allen healthy, they're going to be winning games. So I don't really see them as a major threat. Washington, same goes to them. Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, they've started to click. I'm not worried about them whatsoever. I think they're going to move up and that's just going to be that. And now when you start heading down the list, you're going to see the Orlando Magic. Now, the Orlando Magic if you guys don't already know, which I mean, this is two days out from the trade deadline. So of course, you know, they had the biggest fire sale in the entire trade deadline. They gave away three of their integral parts of the team, the heart and soul. The only guy they didn't lend off was Terrence Ross. They gave away Nikola Vucevic. They gave away Aaron Gordon and they gave away Evan Fournier in the matter of like three hours. Nikola Vucevic has been the foundation of their team for a very long time. And what they got from that, they got Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter Jr. And we don't know if Otto Porter Jr. is going to hit the buyout market or not. He's on a pretty big expiring deal. So you, you kind of just go either way on what would happen there. But you have Otto Porter Jr. and you get Wendell Carter Jr. Those two guys are not going to amount to Nikola Vucevic. Al Camino was in that deal if you care. But they clearly got worse with that. That was their guy who was holding them together and kind of keeping them in the playoff hunt, not just for this season, but like the past five. They have just scrapped together lineup after lineup where Nikola Vucevic is quietly just gluing them all together and making them competitive in games. They take that away. They're going to be losing a lot more games. You can still have Aaron Gordon on your team. Evan Fournier, I don't care. They would lose a lot of games without... Vucevic in of itself so when you add on Aaron Gordon getting moved as well as Fournier it's bad Fournier didn't even get you anything they got two second round picks from that and when you're looking at Aaron Gordon really this was just a move for the future they got RJ Hampton and then they got Gary Harris I think Gary Harris is pretty solid like he should be a 15 point scorer if he's back up to his level like he was with the Nuggets you know before he kind of got ditched in the bench unit with like just everybody they had so many guys at the shooting guard spot but RJ Hampton he's kind of a guy you just develop along he hasn't had minutes with Denver at least enough of them 
And then Gary Harris, I mean, he's not bad, but nowhere near what you were having before. So they, without a doubt, have emerged as some of the front runners for a bottom pick. That's exactly what they're going for. And on the bright side, it looks like they don't need a point guard. They have Markel Fultz. They brought RJ Hampton in. But you never can be sure. If you get a top, you know, one, two, three, four, five, whatever pick, and you have Cade on the board, you're going to take him. If you don't have an option to get Evan Mobley or Kuminga or whatever, you're going to go with Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs. It's about that simple. So they'll pick based on true talent. At least I'd assume so. So you don't look at it and say they're not that big of a threat because they're going to take a big man. We probably want bigs too, but they could take anybody. So you need to look at them really, really seriously. And then you see Houston. We already know what's up with Houston, guys, and it's not good. We know they are in the gutter right now. They are a tanking team, and there's no two ways about it. They just got so much worse giving away Victor Oladipo, and yeah, I mean, they're just going to continue to keep plummeting. They were close to catching up to the Minnesota Timberwolves before they got their victory a couple days ago, and that's scary. It, it's eventually going to happen because just the, the trending of things, yeah, they're going to be the bottom dweller of the le- uh, of the West by the end of the season. Detroit, they're the worst in the East. I don't see anything really changing in that regard. I think the only move that they made was getting Corey Joseph in two seconds for DeLon Wright. It shouldn't make any difference, to be honest. So they're just going to stay down there. And then Minnesota, the bottom dweller. Who would have imagined they would be in this spot? I didn't. I thought with Anthony Edwards, they'd probably be in the play-in hunt, but that's every single year with the Timberwolves. They always seem geared up like this is going to be their year, and then they just completely fall short of expectations, and what do you know? Trade deadline day comes, and there's no there's no sense of direction. I think the last year, last year during the trade deadline, they didn't do that bad. I mean, they got D'Angelo Russell for Andrew Wiggins, but you're still kind of stuck in limbo. They don't have, you know, a real a place to go here because they should be trying to fight. They have all the assets. Carl Anthony Towns is kind of getting up there and he still hasn't really even tasted any bit of success yet. They got to kind of make some sort of push. And I, I picked them over the Houston Rockets. I think they're going to be better than us for the remaining games because Edwards has kind of improved, but you can't put anything past these guys. So I think regardless, they're going to be like a bottom five team, but maybe, just maybe, we could somehow get below them, but it would probably be the last week if that were to happen. That's how far back we are with them right now. We are nine games behind the Minnesota Timberwolves. And then as I was mentioning, you know, you got the three teams above us, Chicago, they were the probably biggest winner out of the trade deadline. They got Daniel Tice from the Celtics for really nothing and then they also got Nikola Vucevic for Wendell Carter Jr. and Otto Porter who was not going to be part of their future anyways so they just got so much better I think that them keeping on to Laurie Markkinen was an amazing move by them I don't know why they're really testing him now we know it's because they were looking for a center I think it came down to Markkinen or Carter Jr. makes sense why you'd pick Markkinen stretch four 
fits pretty well with Nikola Vucevic as well because he can stretch it. So they have a lineup that can actually compete. So I I take them out of this. They're looking towards the playoffs. They want to make kind of a push here. And then you got New Orleans. Also, their roster, when you look at it on paper, they don't have any big injuries. You would have thought they'd be kind of trying to get into a playoff seed, and I think they have been. They just haven't been getting Ws. They're a team that's kind of going to stay right around where they're at, at uh, what, they're 19 and 24 right now. I think they're going to be wavering around the 500 mark for the next uh, however many games. So I don't see them as a big problem. And then Sacramento, they're always an oddball team because you could see them starting out seasons like they could make a playoff run. I think they almost made the playoffs a couple seasons ago. And then now it's like, oh my gosh, they just wasted their season away already. I like Tyrese Halliburton. I like De'Aaron Fox. They still have um, Harrison Barnes and they got you know, a decent core of centers. They get rid of Jabari Parker, Nemanja Bajalika. He's out the door as well. So you really trimmed it, but you got Marvin Bagley Jr. who's going to be able to help out. I think he puts up nice stats, whether they're completely beneficial or not. I don't know, but he's going to be able to stat pad. He's going to get the numbers up. And so is Rashawn Holmes. So I like them. I don't really see them falling down. So really, when it comes down to this, the end race is going to come down to us because we don't have Shea. It's going to come down to the Orlando Magic because they just got rid of everything. Houston, Detroit, and Minnesota. So it's a five-team race. And to be quite honest with you, I think we probably are the strongest out of that group because even without Shea, we found a way to kind of absorb his role and make things work out. Like the game before, think we had like 26 assists or something like that and it's coming from everybody Al Horford led the team in assists that game so yeah I think that this is still a Thunder team that will have some W's splashed in between but we're definitely going to be losing a lot more and for some of you that's going to be a great thing to hear for others who I think are probably in the minority right now you may not be that happy but that's just kind of how this is going to be for the future plans so you look at that that's really the evaluation i got from the trade deadline we didn't really change the thing that changes the landscape of our team though comes from sga because now we know that this plantar fasciitis injury is really going to take a toll on this team when it comes to the win-loss record unless we somehow find ty jerome or teo becoming immediate point guards poku becomes the point forward or lou dort just plays out of his mind I don't think we're going to be winning the majority of our games. So, yeah, that, that's just my take on it. If you guys have any take, make sure to hit me up. I'll, I'll make sure to take a look at that. But just moving on to how, like, the lottery odds would be working, I think that if we're in a situation where we're in the fifth seed, it's a pretty wide variety of where we can land. Here's the landscape of it. The first, or I guess the worst team in the league, they can be picks one through five. Second worst one through six, third, one through seven, fourth, one through eight, fifth, one through nine. So that's a pretty wide range. But when it comes down to percentages, it's really not that that big. You know, I don't think there's a very high chance that we'd get a number nine pick if that ordeal would happen. That's kind of like a one in a million chance. But what we do have, if we're in that five spot, is a 42% chance to make the top four and a 10.5% chance to get the number one pick. 
I'm not trying to get your guys' hopes up. But that's not bad at all because the worst four teams, they all have, or actually, correction, the, the worst three teams, they all have a 14% chance and it keeps trickling down. So any team can make it. I just know by the end of this thing, we're probably going to have an above like 6% chance to get the number one pick. And when it comes down to making it into the top four, I'd probably say we'd have like a 30% chance. So that's my look look at it. And, you know, it is what it is. We'll see. I think that this is a, a story that I'm probably going to have to come back to during the course of these next couple weeks because it is going to be a hot press issue. It may be our number one kind of deal that we're talking about here since there's no more trade rumors to be floating around. But I'm, I'm all in for it. I really enjoy watching the Thunder rebuild especially seeing players like Moses Brown kind of just sprout out of nowhere and look like a complete baller. But yeah, moving on though, I want to talk about the two guys that we just got and it's Tony Bradley and it's Austin Rivers. Now, this was a deal where we didn't know the specific, like the specifics if they were going to come over or not. And Mark Dagnall has indicated that they have not reported to the team as of right now. I got this also from Twitter. He said that neither of them have reported and they're working through the next steps with Sam Presti. And I don't want to like jump the gun because, you know, this has not even been, what, 24 hours yet? I guess now when you're listening to this, it has been. But, I mean, this is kind of a new situation like I feel like teams or players shouldn't be reporting in the first 24 hours unless I'm missing something I don't think it's that absurd but the next sentence where he says that they're looking they're working through the next steps with Presty that's where it's like oh wait a minute they might not play with us ever and with Austin Rivers oh yeah it totally makes sense he's 28 years old he's a veteran point guard who only has 3.4 some odd million locked up with us and he's non-guaranteed the next two years. So we can cut ties with him. He can find someone in the buyout market, most likely. Tony Bradley's the guy, though, where it's a little bit awkward. Like, why would you want to release him? Now, we don't know if that's going to happen. This is just one of these maybe out-of-context quotes, to be quite honest with you, because you can't really just draw up all this crap from two sentences, literally two sentences from Mark Dagnault. But it does raise a good question. I mean, he groups both of them together. They're in the same boat. So we got both sides kind of talking to each other. Tony Bradley, he fits kind of what we need. Now, is he ever going to be like a starting center in the league? Probably not. I said this in my last episode or like one before that. I don't know. But his role probably in the league is going to be like a journeyman role. He is a backup center, six foot ten, gives you all you need. When it comes to rebounding, he's very good offensively, but he's not, you know, that athletic. He just has some super long arms, and he's able to box out his guys pretty well. So that's where he gets that. And then right around the rim, he's amazing. I think right now he's shooting well above like 65% on field goals, and it's all coming from inside. He doesn't even shoot the three-pointer whatsoever. But he's just a decent center that you kind of bring in. And at 23, and us, honestly, not trying to win most like yeah I'll, I'll say that with us not really trying to win Tony Bradley's perfect he's not crazy you kind of tap into that potential because he hasn't been able to play 
you know, 18, 20 minutes on a consistent basis with a team before, both the Jazz and the 76ers kind of put him in a third string role where he didn't ever play significant time. He finally started playing real minutes with the 76ers and he looked amazing. And now he's over with us. We could give him minutes. And I understand it because Tony Bradley and Moses Brown might just be fighting over minutes. And I also talked about it, but Al Horford, if he's going to be playing in a game, he's going to need like 25 minutes and this is a deal where we are still trying to sell Al Horford like we are still making pitches to teams right now it's not over and I think that if he's going to get moved it's going to be over the summer but we still have a pretty big slate of games to be trying to show him off if we just bench him and we put Moses Brown and Tony Bradley above him how is any team going to want to take on that large of a contract for the next two years because he's on a three-year contract we're going to be paying off that 27 million this season but the next two that could be someone else's problem if someone really needs a center that bad and for Presti's sake you probably want to get him off the books anyways to try to be looking at more young players anyways so when it comes to it I think that Al Horford we still got to put him on a platform maybe even a bigger one because you know, if contenders are struggling that bad in the center department, I think the Boston Celtics are the ones who are kind of the glaring one out of the group right now. If they see a guy like Al Horford continuing to ball out for the remainder of the year, they might actually make some sort of deal where either we don't have to give up a lot of assets or we could maybe get like some crappy second round pick or something. Just just something a little like something appetizing nothing too serious but just something we don't want to go out of there giving out two first round picks to board out Al Horford to the Boston Celtics like that just doesn't make sense for us to do or just any team in general so we need to play him and then Moses Brown and Bradley would be fighting only difference is on a back-to-back set or when he's resting it's cool because Brown and Tony Bradley would be splitting the time and it's going to be great I guess they just determined that if he's going to get waived, he just wouldn't be able to carve out the role that he probably is looking for. And that's probably why they're talking to the agent right now of Tony Bradley or whoever's representing him and just kind of telling him probably what it is. I mean, if you're coming over here, you're going to be the third string. You're probably playing 10 minutes a game at best. And, you know, you're on a final year. You're on your last year of your rookie scale contract got to kind of make up your mind here. You don't want to kind of flare out of your final year averaging like five and five. I'd still get you a minimum deal, but he probably wants to make bank. So definitely take that into consideration, I'd imagine. But I like him. I think that everybody really likes him. He's a decent guy who honestly, I think is worth a shot with our team. But yeah, I mean, if push comes to shove and there's no role, it definitely makes sense why why Tony Bradley would be out the door. And it's a shame because we know Al Horford's not part of our future. Everyone in the organization knows that. Even Al Horford knows that he's not part of the, the future. He's 34, and, you know, if we keep him these next two years, he's a 36-year-old. So you got Moses Brown, who's 21, and Tony Bradley at 23, your core 
right now, Shea's 22, I think Dort is 21, and Baisley's 20, and then Pokachevsky's like a teenager, so is Teo Maladone, like, they don't, he doesn't fit, and in a perfect world where Al Horford's only making 10 mil a season, he would be gone, we probably would have never had him in the first place, but yeah, he'd be gone, and in this current day, I mean, it'd be cool, because Moses Brown and Tony Bradley would be able to play, and if we didn't move him off, if Horford was somehow with us, we might just buy it out, 10 million dollars, 34 year old, he's been a great veteran, go get a championship, man, that's not an option though, and even though I think that you need to start looking towards future players, like a Brown or a Bradley, they just probably will not be able to do it, I'm assuming, based off of this, and if not, if they still keep Bradley, I'm going to be very happy, but we'll just have to see kind of how they cut the minutes, because Brown deserves every minute he's getting, he probably should get more minutes than Al Horford, to be quite honest with you, and now we add on Bradley, who he's looked good and deserves minutes too, so it's very tough to kind of just break it down, and we're going to have to see how Mark Dagnalt and just Sam Presti is able to kind of wiggle this around because the way it sounds, it's kind of uncertain on whether or not either of those two guys are going to be able to suit up in a Thunder jersey. I think for Austin Rivers' case, when I see this tweet, I'm thinking, yeah, he's probably gone. But then we'd still be able, we'd be down to 14, we can get Moses Brown, and Tony Bradley can still play with us. But yeah, um... If he's not going to have a role that he wants, he could definitely leave and there would be a market for him. There's not a ton of young centers in the free agency market. I think Damian Jones is your best bet. And then you add someone like Tony Bradley. Someone would pick him up just based off of some of the games he's had this season. And I'd be pretty excited to watch him and how he plays. I think that it's really just going to be a, a business decision on whether or not either of them stick. And as I'm recording this, things could definitely be subject to change. Like this is an episode where I'm recording this the day prior for you guys. And yeah, maybe we learn that Tony Bradley's staying or Austin Rivers staying or they get waived. That's that's on me for not getting it out, you know, on the exact perfect time. But as it stands, we don't really know what's going on. I think everybody likes Tony Bradley, Austin Rivers. Really don't mind that much, but We'll see how the cards kind of unfold in the next coming days. OKC's got their next game literally today against the Boston Celtics at 8 p.m. So we'll kind of hear, we'll play it by ear on whether or not they're going to be suiting up. If I had to take a guess, it's probably no. But that's just a game y'all should probably be looking at. The new look Celtics without Tice. You get Fournier maybe for that game. And hey, we'll just roll out our lineup, see how we do against one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference. But other than that though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.